I wanted to begin this series with some comments on my approach, my interpretive frame, my methodological uh, intervention in terms of reading Spike Lee's cinema. I say that for a few reasons. First of all, I think that something like what I call or, or refer to as our hermeneutic confession is always in order. A hermeneutic, hermeneutic confession is that moment where we reckon with our approach to a text, in this case, the text composed of sound and image, in order to both expand the possibilities of our reading, but also understand the limits. And articulating that for a listener or a reader is for me an absolutely essential part of scholarship. Also, I think that Spike Lee's cinema is a popular cinema, even though he's never been, uh, with, a, with a few exceptions, never really been a box office smash figure uh, in, in popular film, he is nevertheless identified with popular filmmaking. And in that way, I think we often don't take popular filmmakers as seriously as uh, more marginalized or, you know, art house or however one wants to frame it, uh, filmmakers. I think we absolutely ought to take Spike Lee seriously as not just a thinker at the cultural and political level, but as someone who uses his cinema to think that his cinema thinks itself rather than we think for it or he thinks behind it. That will emerge as we go across these various meditations on uh, particular films and then also uh, gathering themes across those meditations on particular films to see some unity and some uh, variation, difference, and revision on Lee's part. As well, I think that this kind of hermeneutic confession or a methodological uh, articulation is important because it, for me, shows the power of black studies which is an area of studies and multidisciplinary, of course, by its nature, but something that's over a half century old and has emergent methodologies and approaches and interpretive frames to, uh, of its own that it has uh, to itself. It's a way of showing how a uh, black studies hermeneutic, a black studies interpretive frame, really illuminates and draws out something important about Lee's cinema that we might not otherwise get. So let me begin with this uh, last part, right? the idea of a black studies hermeneutic. A black studies hermeneutic for me is really important because Spike Lee's cinema is concerned with three things in a cinematic context that really define the field of black studies. That is a preoccupation, or not really a preoccupation, but a prerogative, right? a setting as, as a priority, an articulation, in this case in sound and image, of black bodies, black people, and black life. Now the distinction between those three is absolutely essential. Black bodies is a phrase, or the black body is a phrase that has come to, I think, stand in for all three of these uh, phrases that I used, black bodies, black li uh, people, black life, but should really stand alone, or at least it does in my own uh, interpretive approach, my own sense of what a black studies hermeneutic looks like. Because a body, in the case of sound and image for sure, but I think even that terminology is largely a name for an object in the world, in this case an object on the screen. Now what we'll see in these first few, um, uh, uh, these first two uh, films, uh, Bamboozled and Hollywood Shuffle, 
is the way the question of putting black bodies on screen is so fraught, so difficult, yet so urgent, precisely because of the history of anti-black violence, both across Hollywood cinema as a history, and also in the very nature of cameras and film. That is, it takes craft to put a black body on screen. It takes a particular approach to light, to color, to filters, and so forth. Thinking about how Spike Lee does that is itself a kind of expression of an articulation of black humanity. To say, as Spike Lee, I think, is saying across his films, we are worthy of being put on screen because our bodies demand a screen. Our bodies belong on a screen. And that sense of demanding and belonging is the political urgency and cultural significance, historically and uh, certainly on, in the present and to the future, the urgency of the kind of work Spike Lee does as an artist, right, as someone who articulates an aesthetic. Now, if we think about black people, that phrase, I think one of the things that's really important about Spike Lee's cinema is his commitment to portraiture. We'll come across this distinction between the portrait and uh, the normative or the prescriptive across these films. I think often Spike Lee is read as someone who is making prescriptive claims, making normative claims about black people. That, you know, black women ought to be like this, black men ought to be like this, children, you know, the elderly, the middle age, you know, college age, they ought to be a certain way. And I never think that that's true. I think one of the things that Spike Lee is committed to is the diversity of black people. The way black people are all kinds of different kinds of people. This is no great insight, and yet it would completely revise the history of white Hollywood, for sure, in which the one-dimensionality, maybe two-dimensionality of black people is the upper limit of screen presence. But in telling those stories about black people, black characters, because they are uh, largely fictional, although the documentaries are different, of course, He's interested in drawing these portraits, portraits of types, but also sometimes just a portrait of an interesting person whose life is not just informed by, but structured by their blackness, by their presence in the world as black bodies and their embeddedness in black life, a word on that in a moment. So that idea of portraiture for me is not always playing to a type, sometimes it is. Right? And in those moments, we can ask, you know, how does this type play in relation to other types or other lives and, or other uh, uh, people in the film who aren't played to type, right? And the dependency and, and interdependency of all of these, you know, unique and typified uh, black people on the screen. How that dynamic plays out is, for me, a really interesting cultural and political intervention as a critic. Black life, I think, is really, for me, the broadest term and the term that is most important in thinking about Spike Lee's cinema. He covers, uh, in some ways, uh, you know, very particular kinds of black life, largely in the Northeast, in so many ways deeply rooted in New York City and when he ventures outside New York City. I think we get mixed results, certainly in his fiction films. That's something to always keep an eye on. But his interest in, in black life is that moment, again, where a black studies hermeneutic is so important. 
because one of the things that in that de in those depictions of black life that we have to see and listen for are places of moral authority. I'm thinking in particular, and we'll see this as we go along, the importance of certain music, uh, certain uh, pieces of music and musicians, specifically Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder's music is absolutely critical to each and every uh, film where that music is portrayed or, or is, is, is a back soundtrack in the foreground or the background of scenes, of credits, transitions. Anytime Stevie Wonder makes a sound in a film, we have to listen and ask, you know, where is the conscience of the film? It's in that song. It's in Stevie Wonder. And in these kinds of ways, just to take that as one example, Spike Lee is trying to say something, to articulate something about black life, certainly for a particular generation. Black life where Stevie Wonder does play a very special role, that he's not like every other musician. He is a different kind of musician for his style, for his longevity, for his particular songs, for his celebration of black people and black lives, black children, love, adults, the elderly. You know, Sp uh, um, Stevie Wonder has slipped between Stevie Wonder and Spike Lee. I think they're very intimate, actually, as, as figures. But I think of somebody like Stevie Wonder then as functioning to, by, in the Spike Lee film as a reminder that this is a depiction of black life, not American life, not interracial life, but a specific life. And that sense of life, for me, is, like, is just this like, notion of life world, that it's an entire world, and it's a world that exists with its own internal set of references. And as, some, as a world that has its own internal set of references, it's not an interracial space, it's an intra-racial space. And again, if Spike Lee is tasked or tasks himself with an articulation of black life, then one of the things that's really important is that we think about our approach. How, what kind of, what kind of conceptual frames, what kinds of clusters of concepts, what kinds of clusters of aesthetic sensibilities and ideas and values structure our approach to seeing what Spike Lee has to say about black life. Again, the reason why I emphasize this is because that's what black studies does as an area study that's akin to, if not wholly at this point, a discipline that it has a set of interpretive strategies and frames and concepts and sensibilities that don't arise out of nowhere. They arise out of the history and expressive life of African-Americans, because really that's what Spike Lee is interested in. He's interested in African-Americans. He's not interested in Africans or West Indians or Afro-Latinos or Black Europe. And, you know, I like that about him. I think for some people, maybe that's where he doesn't adventure far enough. And he does have West Indian and African uh, characters. And it's really interesting to see how they function in relation to African-Americans. That will be a matter for each, <laughs> each film's conversation. You know, there's certainly humor that's intra-racial, but also uh, cross-ethnic. That's, uh, you know, usually asides, but asides that are, again, a glimpse into this thing called black life. In that way, we have to attune our hermeneutic sensibility, our interpretive sensibility, to the kinds of audiences Spike Lee is imagining. Now, of course, Spike Lee has viewers across racial groups and across national groups. 
that's part of being a famous filmmaker. That's part of just being somebody who says something culturally and politically important. But that doesn't mean that Spike Lee isn't making films largely for black people, right? That's not a, an exclusion. Rather, again, what it is, is a reminder that embedded in his film, in his films, are a whole series across decades, a whole series of signifiers that have their roots in black life, sometimes American life more broadly, but largely those, the roots of, of those expressions, of, those, of those, those tropes, of those characters, of those turns of phrase, of those portraits, is embedded in a specific experience across history in the memory of those experiences. It also means, and this is really important for me, that we get a real glimpse into Spike Lee's own uh, values, right? Which are about, I would say, committed to black excellence and black love, just to use very contemporary phrasing. And seeing how black excellence and black love is not just simply a, a trope or something to recognize and celebrate, and it is certainly that, but that black excellence and black love are, are moral regulators, right? They actually are features of black life, historically and memorially and culturally, right? Embedded in Stevie Wonder songs, embedded in the values of black people, right? That go beyond black bodies and into the life across history, the life worlds of African-Americans, that those, those, those expressions or values of black love and black excellence bear on the characters in the screen and how we ought to view them. I'm thinking in particular right now of school days, which I'll talk about in two different podcast pieces. One of the things that's important about school days is its beginning, its introduction, its credits where it's a series of images of black love, black excellence, all through resistance fighters, through um, you know, uh, world historical intelligence, courage, profundity, iconicity. Those images that articulate black love and black excellence at the beginning of school days are not just celebrations unto themselves, but rather they orient us towards the film very deliberately, it's didactic in, in many ways, although I think it slips most critics' minds, uh, frankly. But that, that those notions of black excellence and black love then orient us inside the film to always be asking, who are these characters and what is this life that they have created for themselves in relation to what we saw, in relation to Frederick Douglass, to Muhammad Ali, to Rosa Parks, to women, uh, you know, going to college at the at the beginning of the 20th century, right? What is this happening on a college campus in relation to what we just saw? That's that moral critique, right? That's that ethical sensibility that deepens Spike Lee's relationship in the film to black life, insofar as it can connect with the viewer who knows how to interpret again this idea of a black studies hermeneutic, knows how to interpret the relationship between these normative elements, 
these these moral guides, these moral um, uh, uh, corrections, and I mean corrections in sort of scolding ways, but also in desperate pleading ways across his films. That if we we have to be able to see that in order to know what the sound and image is doing on the screen. All this is to go back to the theme, the sort of orientation piece in this um, uh, sort of prefatory note to the podcast series. That is, we can't simply approach Spike Lee's films and say, I like this character, I like that character, I don't like this one, I wish this person had been depicted this way or that person depicted, depicted in another. Instead, we have to, again, approach his films as thought. That is, as something that is articulating a body, a person, and a life. But it's articulating a body and a person and a life against a backdrop that something like Black Studies is, is, is especially, and in a really special way, situated to address. Precisely because Black Studies, as a multidisciplinary area study, draws on all of those ways of thinking about Black life about black people and about black bodies, an aesthetic critique of the camera, a history of cinema, the presence, as we'll see with Bamboozled, of minstrelsy in our subconscious that structures so much of what we see and what we want from black people on the screen. And of course, just the way that the depiction of black bodies, black people, and black life is as wide and diverse as the depiction of any other kind of people. I'll end with just a note on that, right? That, 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 that notion of complexity. So that when we think about Spike Lee's cinema across his life's work, which is decades at this point, there's been a demand among critics, whether they're scholarly or popular, that Spike Lee give us a certain kind of representation or represent all aspects of black people. Well, Spike Lee makes more films than just about anybody has ever made, right? Especially early in his career, he was putting out a film a year, right? On, on small budgets, um, making careers for actors and trying to articulate a vision. But he also was making so many films because it was important to Spike Lee I think, to say, look, I can't make a film where everything you want put on screen is present. What I can do is make a series of films that not only articulate a wide swath across when you add up all of the films and all of the kinds of characters, plots, communities, families, and friendships, not only does it add up to a really wide and, and varied notion of black people and black life. But it's a way of saying against what the scarcity model of, of black representation demands, uh, the, that scarcity model demanding you know, that, that every representation show everybody, right? or where is this, where is that? And Spike Lee is saying to that, we are bigger than, we black people are bigger than that. And there's no single film or single director who can accomplish the kinds of representations that might be demanding. But at the same time, it's incumbent upon black filmmakers to 
make sure that their characters are not only filmed in terms of their bodies in a way that decolonizes the camera, that decolonizes film stock, but also understands that people are people, that black humanity means fallibility, as well as heroic acts and everything in between. And that black life is so interwoven with a diversity of values, positionalities, and kinds of conflict and their meaning that go both inside and outside the racial group, inside and outside the particular community depicted, that that is the imperative for the filmmaker, for Spike Lee. But it's also imperative on, on us as interpreters and as part of, say, a Black Studies hermeneutic to understand that none of these films are about totality. What they are about is creating a hall of portraits in which someone can say, walking through that hall of portraits, that hall of portraits being the history of Spike Lee cinema, and say, yes, we've come to understand not just black people, not just black life, but black humanity. Black humanity in its broadest sense, always committed to the humanity of black bodies, black people, and black life. Thinking about that humanity, learning how to see it, and understanding its intractable value for Spike Lee, the way it never retreats from the screen, even when he has to say something painful about the church and sexual abuse, right? About misogyny, about homophobia, about the abuse of children. All of these things, right? Those are also part of that complexity, a part of that humanity. And that's difficult sometimes because I know critics have said Spike Lee is, is airing dirty laundry. This was an early critique, especially uh, with school days. Airing dirty laundry that should be kept private. But I've always been impressed by, and people can debate that dirty laundry thing for sure, but I've always been impressed by Spike Lee's commitment to, to the whole range of what this phrase black humanity means. Because being a human being is about all the kinds of things human beings are capable of. When you want to make films about black bodies, black people, black life that's committed to black humanity, all of those aspects of humanity have to be put on screen. And it's amazing that one filmmaker has put so much of that life, so many of those bodies, so many different kinds of people into a portrait gallery a portrait gallery that, for me, is a cinematic version of black humanity. A cinematic version of a series of portraits in which no one can say black people don't have a diverse sense of presence in the world. But in each one of those presences in the world, every character in the film, every community, every conflict, there's always an abiding sense of humanity, of vulnerability, but also beauty, but also evil, and also just mundane everydayness. That's what humanity is. To put black bodies, black people, and black life on the screen in that register across decades is a cinema dedicated to black humanity.